Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Today Imanyana. I'm Alex. This is Michael. We're very excited to have you joining us this morning on a, on a chilly, but I think it'll warm up. It's, it's sunny. Today. That's all, that, it's a, that's exactly. all I care about. It's a sunny day. I'm a sun kind of here guy. Here in Charlottesville, Virginia. So that's really all we need is, is that beautiful, beautiful sun. So we are very excited for that. We have a great show lined up for you this morning. We're going to be joined shortly by Zach Jackson. He is the owner of the Solar Fi Die here in Charlottesville. And uh, we're going to talk some being a small business, being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, a lot about, you know, just what our solar, you know, how does that work, that process, you know, why is now a good time to think about it. Lots of, lots of fun stuff for us to cover they, today with a local entrepreneur. We'll also talk a little later in the show. Mike and I will talk some, some banks, you know, that, <laughs> that, that, that fun topic. Well, well, banks, banks which, what happened with the banks? Yeah, there, might be, there may or may not what be something there? going on that uh, you should Is uh, it time for the, uh, the old quote that Alex likes to pull from uh, It's prob- a Wonderful Life? I think it's, uh, yeah, I think at some point today I'm going to bring out yeah. the, uh, the It's a Wonderful Life quote, Mr. <laughs> Potter quote, uh, to, to talk about. So it's going to be a blast. We're looking forward to it. Of course, love being here mm-hmm. on the Isle of Seville Network set. Uh, big thank you to Emergent Financial Services, our presenter, as well as our, our great partners in Matias Yon Realty, Castle Hill Cider, Credit Serious Insurance and Forward Adelante the Premier Latino Networking Group here in Charlottesville, Virginia. So we got uh, some great stuff, some great stuff lined up. It's, for it's you a big morning. day for Charlottesville, though. I it mean, is. We do have uh, we do have a basketball game today. Exactly. Alex and I are big UVA basketball fans, UVA. so we're we're definitely keeping an eye on that uh, score, even though it's during work hours. Uh, you know, we might be checking the score every yep. once in a while. UVA hoops. UVA hoops. Yeah. So play at 12.40 today and it's firm. And what, what do you think? What are your thoughts? I, I, I Listen, you and I have been talking about this for a while. I, I think the basketball team's good. I'm not 100% sure they're great. If we go into the Sweet 16, we face Alabama, correct? Mm-hmm. That, to me, is where I kind of really hope that this team would make it. Yeah. Like, do you win these first two rounds, get into the Sweet 16. And, yeah, you're an underdog against Alabama, so that's a win-win situation. If you lose... That was the expectation, so you don't feel like you yeah. failed. You're kind you of with house money by the time you had the Sweet 16 exactly. one seed. Yeah, and if you beat them, heck, I mean, that, that could be your season, you know. And, and I think yep. they're going and playing very well. I thought they had a good ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, they got outplayed by Duke, but, you know. Duke was a very tough matchup. Exactly. The way Duke was playing and their size. So I, yeah. think, I think they got some. I think there's not a lot of teams in the country that are like Duke. Although you, you, you told me Alabama. Alabama, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, is one of them. But uh, there's few teams in the country, mm-hmm. certainly not before the Sweet 16, that have the size of Duke where they're bigger than us at every single position, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, from guard to center. So it's, I, I, fortunately, I don't think, short of us running into them, which we, won't run, we can't run into them before the uh, Final Four. Yeah. So I think, I think we've safely avoided them. The question is whether we can... Take care of business in the first two days. Yeah, listen, our defense has been playing very well. So mm-hmm. that means no matter what, we're going to give ourselves a chance to win. It's always a question of shooting. I mean, if our three-point really shooting is struggling a little bit, can we generate enough offense from the paint to score enough points? Because yeah. usually I feel like we're going to hold these teams like 50, 55 points. I suspect, yeah. Between so 50 and 60 points. The only way we lose is if we're scoring under 50 because yeah. we couldn't hit a shot. Yeah. Which can not happen. They've had a propensity we've to do seen, that. We've seen it happen. We've seen it happen, but... You know, I hope that uh, they can get some three-point shots down and they work well in the paint. You know, don't turn the ball over. That's always big, yep. too. I'd say start well. It's always mm. not good as the higher seed when you come out a little yeah. slow. 
So you got to start well. So I think I, I think they can pull yeah, it off. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I'm really hoping. I think we can make the Sweet yeah. 16. No, I mean my bracket. Your bracket is UVA going all the way. My bracket every time. title is always UVA wins. So, but you know, you were right once. I, that's true. You were right once. That's true. I once did a bracket. You didn't get the billion dollar thing, but you know, you no, know. Well, everything else was wrong. But yeah. UVA <laughs> did win. They did win. I mean, so that's that's something. There you go. That's something. You know, and I wasn't too far off. I had us beating Michigan State, and Michigan State lost to Texas Tech. So mm. I almost had the the final right. Yeah. So. So they That's because we've always had because Michigan State. I don't know if everyone remembers they beat us like back to back years, like yeah. fourteen or fifteen, something so like yeah, that. Yeah, I was always worried. Like, yeah, okay, we always had like Michigan State. Yeah, we didn't like Michigan State. Uh, but I think we had a good chance. Yeah, good chance, good chance. All right, so I, mean, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm ready to jump right yeah, into our, our desk for today. Yeah, it's a sunny day. Let's go solar, right? There, there we go. <laughs> what well, better day to do it? So we're excited to welcome to the show this morning Zach Jackson. He is the owner of the Solar Fighter Eye. Zach, thanks so much for joining yeah. us this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, this is my first podcast, so first of all, don't want to set the expectations too high personally. Uh, I will set the expectations high on solar, though. Uh, solar is a booming industry, like Michael alluded earlier. Uh, it's newer in a lot of areas as far as adoption rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we're seeing in Virginia that makes it different than some of the other states is Virginia has very favorable laws mm. to solar. Ah. So this year, uh, not everyone knows this, this may be new for a lot of people. Uh, this year, starting January, it's tax-exempt equity added to your home, uh, ah. which we talked about the market yep. earlier. Uh, this is a good way to secure that investment when that might be going down in the market. Uh, that's that's a reality. That's something that's hard for a lot of us. Uh, we're all kind of seeing different things. Mm-hmm. Solar also gives us a path to being able to save. Instead of having this bill that always goes up, you get to fix your costs and keep those lower. So um, kind of curious some questions that you guys might yeah, have oh, for me. So absolutely. I, I mean, well, I mean, maybe to start, tell mm-hmm. us. Just where, I mean, the audience loves, yeah. of course, the small entrepreneurs, local yeah. small business. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you decided, okay, I'm going to start a small business in solar. Okay, so uh, it's sort of something I always wanted to do, not necessarily solar. Um, my brother actually has been doing it for about five years, so I sort of got a peek into it before I ever jumped in. I always wanted to start my own business, though, and I've always been entrepreneurial. The only thing is, is I think like uh, many of us, and a lot of people can relate to this, there's a feeling of security in a job, plus there's the whole go to school, get a degree, go work, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of security. And I, I did that path, actually, for a while, and I always felt sort of like I was living a half-truth. Uh, it was a business and mm-hmm. IT kind of space, and that's something I'm interested in, technology, business. Uh, but it was more so on the employee side. Uh, so for me, I've always wanted to work as a self-employed individual so I can chart my own destiny and have more freedom and flexibility. Something that uh, I I feel um, a lot of us in the last few years have had sort of, um, you know, ups and downs. There's been been hard things of what's gone on with uh, Mm -hmm. everything that's been going on. Um, But there's also been a move to more remote, which has allowed people to have more flexibility to think about what they wanted. So for me, uh, I wanted to start solar because it gave people freedom with their time and their energy back. Mm-hmm. It's something that I don't think is talked about as much as the savings in money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's, really, mm-hmm. it's really downplayed. So, so for me, I, I really got into solar because I was into finance and into freedom. And I feel solar is a path that helps expedite that. Uh, you know, you're able to do stuff like compound 
the return of money you would have otherwise lost, uh, you know, most, most people fall under about 30% tax bracket, pretty close, 20-something, mm -hmm. 30%. And, you know, buying a solar system, you can end up getting that back now after the recent IRA, Inflation Reduction Act, that was passed. You can get 30% of the cost back that next year. And if your tax liability is anywhere uh, excess of what you were going to pay, then that rolls forward as a credit. As a, oh, okay. So this is a compounding thing that then you know, frees people up to be able to invest in that vacation they wanted to do, to go invest in that other addition mm -hmm. to their house. Um, so it's, it's something that I feel really good about because I help enable people to live the type of life that I also want to live. So that's what really got me into solar. Excellent. Excellent. So what's it like being an entrepreneur? What's it like to, you're sort of oh. taking that plunge and being the owner of your own business? Well, I think you, you said it right, Alex. It's a plunge. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a plunge. Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't plunge as much as some people did into it. Um, so for me, I, I kind of tiptoed and stepped into building a solar business uh, while working another job. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. which, which I think which a lot is of people a common really story. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a story that a lot of people have. Yeah, yeah. and, and if, if, if you're thinking about it, you know, you don't have to do one or the other. You don't have to just be an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. and you don't, have to, you don't have to jump in necessarily. Uh, I will say, you know, at some point, my attention and my priority was spread. I, I knew that my focus and my heart was not in what I was doing in my mm -hmm. W-2 work, mm -hmm. and I knew that the path wasn't taking me the direction I wanted, uh, so I continued to, you know silently quit um you know yep. the uh the performance evaluations were good but the trajectory and where i wanted to go wasn't there and my heart just wasn't in it and so i kept putting more effort into solar um which i, I find you know there's never a point when you're ready to be an entrepreneur you're just kind of like you're gonna either walk yourself into a corner where you have a choice to make and you either make it or you don't mm -hmm. And I just don't want to live with regret. So I've, I've failed. I've succeeded. I continue to, to fail. I like the idea of fail up. Fail up. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you learn from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. And right? there's plenty of them. Exactly. And that's why you can't learn. <laughs> yeah. You can't learn without them. Exactly. Right? If everything goes your way, you, you've learned nothing. You, just, what, you what? don't know what not to do. You, you, know, don't, just, you don't know what not to do. That's exactly yeah. it. You, you, and that's, that's, I think, the biggest blessing of being an entrepreneur is, is that that culture of it's okay to fail and other entrepreneurs, you know, are encouraging you mm -hmm. because they are also going through it. Yeah. You know, I mm -hmm. think that's, that's huge. I mean, if, if we take the idea of going into K through 12 and going through a university, you learn a lot of valuable skills and yet one of the things that you learn that I think can be something that gets hit like right as soon as you get out is the world is not the same. It's, mm -hmm. It rewards you know, the ability to pick yourself back up. It rewards yeah. that fail forward. Mm -hmm. And you're taught you know, most of your youth, most people to um, really think to shoot for like get that perfect, get that A. But, you know, they, they say this for a reason, like, you know, A and B students go to work for C and D students. And it's not that that's always the case, but it's, it's, it's more so the, the root of it is not the grade. The grade is arbitrary. It's, it's the idea that it's okay to fail and that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make something happen regardless. Mm -hmm. So that's it's really what it's like. It's like, a, 
it's like a roller coaster. In, in solar, we call it the solar coaster. <laughs> you literally got to turn. Ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's that. <laughs> wow. So, so going to solar, like, I'm going to be honest, like, my knowledge of electricity is almost close to zero. Yeah. So I'm curious, do you know how much electricity, like, the average household uses, and how much can solar kind of contribute to, like, how much saving. can, yeah, exactly, mm. to save on that? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that somewhat like a politician. Okay. Um, it, it's, it varies. Mm-hmm. Uh, every household is different. So you have some houses where you have uh, one person mm-hmm. and, you know, they travel a lot. So their bill is very low. Then you have some that are a couple uh, and they don't even have any kids, but they use a ton of electricity. Um, they host gatherings, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, sometimes you have a family, though, and then you have the kids that are there and that often will raise, raise mm-hmm. the utility. So... You know, a family, family cost, um, but it also has a huge amount of benefit. I would say if I give you a number, you know, talking technical terms, it's kilowatt hours. Okay, okay. Kilowatt hours, and, you know, in, in Virginia, we have Dominion. Uh, Dominion uh, is the main one. We have other utility companies. In Virginia, uh, something new to the audience here probably for some of them is there's a solar renewable energy credits uh, system. It's basically an incentive to move us to net zero by 2050. Virginia has that goal. It's mm-hmm. net zero by 2050. Net, it's like, well, 30, 30% renewable energy by 2035. Uh, okay. Now, just to answer a little bit deeper into that, it's roughly, I would say, somewhere between 12 to 22 kilowatt hours, which is a bit of a range, mm-hmm. uh, but that's kind of what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that bill is somewhere between 120 and, and 300 pretty regularly and sometimes yeah. higher. That, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. For financial planning, yeah. just when people give us the utility bills, it's, it's, it's pretty much, yeah, it's somewhere between 100 and, and 300. If you're at 500, you've got a lot of kids at <laughs> a big house. Yeah. Or you've got so, a leak somewhere and you got yeah, the exactly, you exactly. At, you know? Well, listen, when you have little kids, I notice even from little cousins, TVs are on. You're like, why is this TV on? Even my mother is a little bit like that, too, our mother. <laughs> Sometimes you think you go in one room, there's Poor a TV Mrs. on, Murphy. then you go to another one, there's another TV on. It's like, you know, there's a button to uh, close the TVs when we're That's not watching. Not fair. You know, but... Better hope she's not watching this morning. Yeah, she, well, I'm sure she is. She's got the TV on somewhere, but she's got. She's probably watching two different places. Well, you know, the TVs are one thing, but you know, those don't use. I mean, they use a lot of energy. Yeah. But they don't use nearly as much as you know this fluctuating. I want to be cold now, and I want to be hot now. Uh, so change the thermostat. The thermostat. You the know? thermostat. And that's that's like that's doing it, man. Open the window, leaving it, forgetting it open. Mm. You know, a bad HVAC system. These mm. are things too. Drain. And now there's credits for upgrading a lot of this stuff too. You know, if you're going electric, if you're switching from gas, there's credits in Virginia. Uh, so there's a lot of things that kind of, um, I would say, not sympathetic, but. Uh, they're synergistic to solar. Mm. And, mm. and right now, you know, we saw in the last, you know, we we're talking about basketball coming up, but, you know, we're also, football was not that long ago. Yep, just and ended. That was, that was a really great game. And in that, you probably remember all the commercials, all these EVs, right? You just yep, all the EVs. EVs. Yep. But what, what, what comes with an EV? Battery. But what, what comes with the cost of owning an EV? 
Electricity, you gotta power it. You gotta power it, right? Oh uh, yeah. Now yeah. what what are people gonna wanna do once they get used to that? Are they gonna wanna go sit like some people do at like a sheets or something? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well you see those commercials, right? They're in like the middle of nowhere and there's like a power to Although I have had a problem yeah. with that. There was one commercial for the GPV and they were like they were trying to advertise exploring like the mountains and then they stopped and like in the mountains it was like an E V charging station. I was and just kinda like, <laughs> wait a second, when you could drive in like in a national yeah. park, this is like a random well, TV station. The reality right? is, you're gonna have to charge that thing at home. You have to charge you it at home. You're gonna charge it that's at home. It. That's yeah. it. And that's what people are gonna want to. My uncle has a Tesla and he, he charges it at the house and he has solar. And the thing is, with that, is if you charge it without solar, you're still gonna save money. The reality is, you're still gonna save money going mm-hmm. to an EV. Now the prices are coming down, especially if you get like a used EV or you know, you take advantage of those credits mm-hmm. in a trade in. But with solar, it can be like one fifth. One fifth the cost. You're using the solar to charge the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're saving so much. Mm. So the the truth is, is that solar is 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 really in its infancy. It's it's slated to grow exponentially. So what's really going to be a big thing is people realizing that you're either going to go solar renewable energy, or you're going to go solar renewable energy from somebody else providing it to you. Mm. And, and that's hard, yeah. I think, for people because they, you know, we we're conditioned to just pay a utility bill, and then that's that's almost like a, not a bill. It's almost like it's until it's that that spike moment in the middle of the summer when it's like, oh my gosh, or in the winter, and you're like, where did this come from? Now maybe I'll talk about solar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but really, that's not the that's not the time for that conversation as much because the reality is everybody's having that conversation at once. And so the best time to be having that move to solar is first early because all of the incentives right now are amazing. Um, you know, you got 30% tax credit, you got cash back that the utility company is paying you. And they're paying you that because they need to be renewable. And until they hit their goals, they're going to pay for your energy if you went solar. So are they paying, I'm, I'm curious about that on the financial side, are, because I've heard about the cash back, so are they paying you that for when you have solar, like the moment you've done solar installation and you're kind of hooked up with them, they're paying you, or is it on days in which kind of you've generated more energy from solar than you have pulled from the grid, you kind of get, you receive that amount of money back? How does it kind of work? So of course, so that's a great question. It's actually, it's actually two, you get, you get two different kind of benefits. So there's the net metering in Virginia, and net metering, you can find it on Dominion's website. I post it on my Instagram, at, at SolarFiGuy, um, you know, on Instagram. Uh, but really, it's a one-for-one credit. So you're producing energy, mm-hmm. you know, you're producing kilowatts, kilowatt hours. Those kilowatt hours, you're using them. Now, at first, when you use them, that doesn't go back into the grid. Yeah. But if you produce, let's say in the summer, you produce more than you use, and it goes back into the grid, you build up a credit. That credit, mm-hmm. you, you, yeah, Michael, it seems like you just caught it. That, yeah. that credit, you get to use that later, later on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for those... Cloudy days or the rainy days or the winter, exactly. or if you're if you're using more than you're than you're producing, it's reducing your bill at that point in time. That's it, but that's not the only the only way you get paid. So in Virginia, and not all states are this way, which is why Virginia is so good, along with a lot of other eastern states. Uh, Virginia actually have a program with that solar renewable energy credits that I mentioned, other or SREX for short, and that is where you actually get paid based off the size of your system for the production that's expected. So you register that system on a broker. 
And that broker then sells it to Dominion, which Dominion is legally required to buy, you know, continue to buy these credits. And so they buy that, and then that program to use renewable energy, where you get to use renewable energy, but you don't buy solar, which I don't know if you guys have heard of. Um, you can do that with Dominion, and you pay for the you pay for the privilege to have clean energy. They help pay for that by all of these other things like these SRECs and these credits that they get from the government. So they get these credits, but right now they're not they're growing, but they're not growing to the degree that the federal and state government want. And so therefore, right now they're paying for that production. So let's say you have a 12 kilowatt system. You might get like $2,500 as a check up front, potentially. I'm not going to give you an exact, that's an yeah, exact it number. Depends on- it depends on the market a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you get this cash flow in. I mean, is the utility company, just the way you're doing it without solar, are they going to they gonna give you a cash check? No. <laughs> I mean, without it? <laughs> no, no. No. Never. The, the elephant in the room with solar, though, that I think a lot of people, you know, don't fully understand is they think they think that it is expensive sometimes when they look at it and i think it's it's because people think of it as a new bill mm-hmm. most of the time if we have a roof that's good it's not always that we have a perfect roof for it but say we have a really good roof and it has great sun exposure maybe a southern facing roof because a southern mm-hmm. facing roof if you're out there and you're thinking about this southern facing roof is ideal east and west is is still good but that that's east to west is it that it will only get the sun at a certain time of day where the southern facing roof will get it most of the day well it gets at an arc right so you kind of go like a south like east to west south arc so the mm-hmm. whole time it's beaming on that south face yeah but you're kind of going around an arc so you get that east and west um but you know when you get 100 percent offset which we talk about in the industry you're covering all of your electricity so if you're covering all of your electricity needs, and we do that based off looking at your bill, looking at 12 months, which uh, Dominion shows a little snapshot of it. You've probably seen it. Yeah. Um, now, we look at that average, and then if you can get 100% offset or more, let's say you're planning on having a battery backup or an EV in the future, you might want to oversize your system. Now you're producing more than you're using. You're getting paid for those credits. But the thing is, is that when you look at it, you're still paying for solar. You're paying a solar payment. But people think about this and they look at it oftentimes, and this is sometimes where it doesn't always click, especially if you're not a finance kind of person. And you just look at it and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to pay you know, thirty dollars or $40,000 or whatever for this solar system. And they may, we have finance options, so you can do zero down. It doesn't have to be up front. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people choose to do cash with everything with the market and interest rates. Sometimes that can affect. Uh, but it's more of a movement. You move your current bill, which you're paying to the utility company, over to paying a solar payment. And then now, instead of this bill that you have no control over the cost, you can fix that rate. And now, over time, it stays the same. You get tax credits. You get all these benefits. You get to know that your air in your neighborhood is cleaner and you're contributing to it. And now, you're producing power. And a lot of people... We're conditioned to be consumers. Consumers of power. That, yeah. That's it. I mean, I mean, you guys are to finance background, so consumer it's, versus producer, right? Which which one normally has more power? And you get to bring power back to people. Yeah. 
and that's that's a beautiful thing. Interesting, interesting. A couple of shout-outs here. We got some people watching the show this morning. Caravella Vincenzo, thanks for watching the show this morning. Laura Smith or Hawkins, Clara Tasha, watching the show this morning. Elizabeth Miller, watching the show this morning. Um, so, so yeah, so I have a question. Um, again, I'm, I'm kind of going a little bit into numbers, but how many hours of sunlight would a solar panel need to kind of generate? Again, I don't want to use the average household because obviously it differentiates. But how many hours of sunlight does a solar panel need, or solar panels need, yeah, to actually work? So you you need it. You need really honestly. I mean, you start getting as long as it has full sun exposure. You get Mm -hmm. start producing immediately. Okay. Uh, If you have have shade, however, uh, there's different systems that kind of gets into the weeds. Uh, Some Mm -hmm. systems are uh, like a string inverter, uh, like Solar Edge, and say if some of the shade goes down, it could potentially affect or take out a string, and you may not get the production. Okay. Um, But if if you have like say a micro inverter system or something to that effect, then if one is shaded and the one is not, then as long as it has full sun, it starts producing. Uh, to kind of go a little bit deeper, not into the, uh, but a little bit more direct to your question, uh, the, the average sun we get in Virginia is about four to six hours. Uh, so with, with a good couple hours of, of direct sun, you're getting some really good production. So with Virginia's sun, as long as you're, you know, not having a lot of shade, that's mm-hmm. an issue. Um, you know, we usually have to look at that at houses. But as long as your roof is good, you don't have a lot of shade, four to six hours, that's plenty to produce mm-hmm. the power you need. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We got we got an audience question from Xavier because, um, which finance guy. He's yeah. uh, he's our he's our dad. He worked so he, he he's always thinking finance. What he says for I think for the I'm, I'm guessing he's thinking for the typical person investing in solar because you got this upfront cost right yeah. and then but you have future expected offsets and benefits like yes. income cash flow that will come in. Yes. What's a typical break even that you see in terms of years? We say all right after this many years I am. I am net positive covering my initial investment. So again, you may not like this answer, um, but again, it depends. Uh, Mm -hmm. So if you have a southern-facing roof or east-west with some southern Mm -hmm. tilt, you know, you're going to break even much faster, especially on a southern-facing roof, that you have a full 100% offset. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't have a full 100% offset, it's a little harder to gauge because you're going to be drawing off the utility. So if they raise the rates... Your, your bill may still go up. Yeah. Um, so if you have 100% offset or let's say, you know, over 100%, like 100 to 110, mm-hmm. then you're producing all the energy that you need to use. And if you have a taxable income, which is also key, uh, unless you're doing a leasing or a PPA agreement um, for like retirees, most of the time it benefits those that are working with an income. Mm-hmm. Um, so more, tax credits are more useful. More useful, right? Because mm-hmm. you have that tax credit offset. So if you have a tax credit, you have 100% you know, solar offset on your roof, I, I would say you could break even as soon as within the first year to year and a half. Um, however, it, it's not uncommon for your break even, even though you may have a cash flow positive mm-hmm. your very first year. You know, it could even be the very first month. Mm, um, okay, you yeah. get a cash flow, but like a break even on your investment, it may very well be somewhere between five to fifteen years. Mm-hmm, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to wait for the cash. Eventually, the cash flows then cover mm-hmm. the initial yeah. investment. In- investment, yeah. So it's it's multifaceted. Yeah, of course, of course, <laughs> yeah. Which I did, yeah, what he was kind of just thinking, you know, when, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you gotta, you measure it also depending. So how does the process, I'm curious, work? Because obviously a key thing is going to be where your house is, what direction the roof faces, what are other maybe potential areas on your property that could make it work. 
what kind of the process, all right, someone gives you a call and says, all right, I'm, I'm interested in this. What, you know, what, what's the next step here? Do you come and kind of look at their property mm. and say, all right, this makes sense. This doesn't make sense. This area of your roof makes sense. What's kind of the process there? So that's an amazing question. Uh, after, uh, after COVID and after all of this kind of virtual move, <laughs> um, the, the business partner, um, so I, I work with my brother, um, I'm the SolarFi guy, that's my business and brand. Uh, we work with uh, Power as a platform. They have many different businesses working with them. Mm-hmm. Um, there is virtual tools that a lot of solar companies use, including ours. Basically, you know, think Google Maps and yeah. think uh, Open Solar, think these other platforms oh, okay. where you look satellite image. Mm-hmm. Now, those images might be a little bit off. Because as we've probably seen, it's not always exactly up to date. Yeah. Uh, so we talk to the homeowner. So the, the first step is, is really honestly a discovery call. So we, we talk to them mm-hmm. and you know, we, we'll pull up the address and look at the map. We'll look and see and talk to them. Hey, is this tree still there? You know, what's going on mm-hmm. with this? Is, is this roof, did you make any changes, any additions? Do we have other space? And from there, we do things like, uh, for the, this is something good to know. Solar is easier to be approved for as a loan than a lot of loans because it's considered a collateral loan. Because mm, you have an actual You have system. an asset. Mm-hmm. You have an asset backing it. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, from working middle class and, and above, um, you know, if you, have a, if you have an income and you're paying a utility bill and your credit score is like 600 or 650 or above, normally mm-hmm. we can do zero down options. Um, now, as far as qualifying, you know, we'll, we'll just briefly usually touch on, hey, are you, are you over 600, just as like a question. Yeah. And we'll ask things like, you know, what face is the roof and the orientation. Mm-hmm. And we'll ask things like, are you planning on doing any upgrades in the future? Because that goes into whether or not we need to make the size of the system different. You know, okay. things like, are you in an HOA? Um, that's a big one. I'll say that's one that I get people that say, oh, my gosh, I'm in an HOA. They're not going to ever let me. And now you start to see them, like you said, popping up in HOA areas too. And it's like, oh, wait, wait so you, I can do it. But wait, I don't, I'm not sure how I can get in trouble, this and that, and kind of like these concerns. Mm-hmm. And they're warranted because HOAs are, are you know, we – there's a, you know, nothing against the people that are out there that are, <laughs> you know, HOA board members. They're, you know, there's great stuff that they do, like the trash and the snow cleaning. But, you know, there's this kind of – fear of I can't paint my door this way, I can't do yeah, this exactly. way. Yeah, exactly. People worry that, that that could be the case. That could be the case, right? And, and so with an HOA um, in Virginia, they can't stop you legally. There's a solar act that was passed, mm-hmm. and you're legally protected to get solar as a homeowner. However, um, that's something we talk about because with the HOA a little bit, and you know, I think it's something that like it comes up usually later in the conversation. Uh, because they are allowed to get it regardless. Mm-hmm. But the HOA can say, like, you know, we want you, as long as it doesn't limit to the point where the solar doesn't, isn't effective for them, they can say, well, we don't really want you to use this part of your roof. Oh, okay. You know? And then that could come into the, the, the conversation. Because then it, if, they put, if they say that on a part of your roof that would be highly efficient... It comes into the calculation mm-hmm. of how much you'll get yeah. from the solar. And then you can go back and forth with the HUA, and eventually, yeah. you know, you're going to get the solar, but you may end up uh, with an HUA making some concessions, mm-hmm. um, which is something that comes up. So this is part of all that discovery. Disco- okay. Discovery. And, and then we go to building, which is, okay, 
um, and the discovery, how much you're using in your energy, and we need the utility bill. This is something that's, that's very, very critical in, in solar. Um, you know, and I, I think there's some hesitancy because there's private information, but you know, really honestly, uh, not, to, not to be mean about it, but like that address information, all that information that's on there, it's, it's, it's public knowledge. Yeah, you can find you it. You can I mean, find Google. it, right? Um, Heck, if you bought the house, it's, the record is there. <laughs> yeah, the realtor knows it, right? The mortgage broker can get it. Yeah. You know, it's on Google. So, you know, but if, if we have the utility bill, we can build a system. And if we build the system, it's going to be more accurate because we know what you're using. And we can't even actually, you know, we can't build a system without a utility bill because the utility company needs that information, that meter number and those other inf that other information on there for us to be able to actually do the net metering and tie it into the grid. And we, do, we don't do, just so people know this, the, the SoarFi guy at the moment, we, we don't do any off-grid um, so it's all on grid. It is the most common right now. There's a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of reasons um, that people consider off grid, uh, but on grid has all the benefits if you were to add a battery, mm. because then you can tap into that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it makes sense to be well. Plus, I mean, for a lot of those net metering and the other benefits, you'd have to be on the grid. I mean, there's like you said, there's probably personal or private reasons that people may have to be off grid, but you've lost the ability to sell. The energy back. You, lo back you lost that big, that big benefit, mm -hmm. and you lost the, the whole, like, what happens if your system does have an issue mm -hmm. and the grid is up? Sure, yeah. we, we, we're concerned, hey, you know, I want to get off of the grid because the grid is faulty, and, you know, there's some value to that, but, like, what if your system goes down? Now, we have warranties and stuff, but your system could still be down. So it's best to have redundancy. Yeah. Not, not, a, not a or, but an and. That makes, makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. So Zach, this has been this has been great, man. This, yes. this we could spend, very informative. Really, yeah, but I, I think the best thing to do. So, where what's the best way for people to get in touch to reach out to find you guys to of course to really connect and learn more and or reach out to to start those that process? Yeah. So um, text, email. So solar.fi.guy at gmail. Uh, emails are great. Love emails. Uh, text everybody. You know likes text I find these days that a lot of times people um, don't have time necessarily for a call unless they can fit into their schedule so text is good um, I, I actually prefer text and then I love to talk to somebody after the fact just scheduling for everybody 202-460-7985 is my mobile uh, also on Instagram at solar.fi.guy uh, and that's oh, at Instagram super easy super, super easy solar.fi.guy either on Instagram or at Gmail or on Gmail. Or on Gmail. Or so, on my website. Or on your website, exactly. TheSolarFiGuy.com. TheSolarFiGuy.com. So very easy to get mm -hmm. in touch. Which, which is the blog is TheSolarFiGuy.com and then SolarFiGuy.com. I have a website. They're both attached, but they're two sites. Okay. And uh, you can probably easily get from one to the other. Yes, yes. You can. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Zach, this has been yeah. such a pleasure. I've, I've learned so yeah, much. Thank you, yeah, thank you for coming on, Ian. Yeah, teaching Alex and I all about this. This is, so this is really, incredible. Really appreciate yeah. it. Oh, well, you're Thanks welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you guys both. Uh, it's, uh, I was planning to see Nick today. I was uh, a little, yeah, little he, disappointed. He, you know? got yeah. back, he got back so right. late from his <laughs> vacation. We were like, ah, I'm not sure he's going to make it to the <laughs> He's still full on the pasta or something like that. You know? so, so, okay, fun, okay, yeah. okay. But next time we have you on, he'll be, he'll be here. We'll yeah. even, we'll even be uh, here push pressure him to host the show that day. Ooh. We'll be like, hey, yeah. Nick, guess what? You're co-hosting today. I, I would love that, actually. Yes, I would love that. You say that now. But once he's co-hosting, you wouldn't, you wouldn't feel that. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, gosh. Sure, it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, well, thanks so much for Thank joining you us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you guys both. All right. So as Zach rotates here, we're going to switch over to our, to our finance to topic. To our finance topic, our finance yes. Topic Alex has been dying to talk about these banks. I mean, well, what's more fun to talk about than, than banks, banks, right? Banks. I mean, it's like... We all, we all love uh, such, banks, right? Such a <laughs> thrilling business model. You know, it, you know what? It paints one of those funny things, right? When things are going well, it's the most boring thing in the world, Exactly. Right? No, you don't think twice about a bank. But yeah. then when things are going bad... When things are going bad, it's like the most the news, yeah. like, panic-worthy thing. It's like, bank failures. Like, bank. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. It's, you know, the, the sky is falling yeah. kind of thing. You know, it's funny. I actually remember reading something somewhere, and one person said, you have to look at banks like the Monopoly game does. Because apparently there's a rule in the Monopoly game where people used to ask, well, what happens if, you know, people are playing and there's all money in the... And the bank runs out of money. And the Monopoly rule says the bank never runs out of money. They'll just uh, you just use other people. Yeah, the the bank never runs out of money. So it, going into that topic, Alex, we've had um, was it Silicon Valley Bank this week? Yep. Uh, Signature Bank. In Signature New York. Bank, and then just yesterday was a Credit, Credit Suisse. Suisse. Yesterday and First National. First National is um, we had touched on this very briefly on uh, the I Love Seville show, which is at twelve thirty every day. So be sure to check that out uh, with Jerry. So First National Bank is a little different because they – it's not so much that they are on the verge of bankruptcy. Their mm-hmm. shares have been tumbling because, on, on the stock market because First there are Republic. serious questions. First Republic. First Republic. Okay. First Republic. Thank you, Jerry. There's been, so, a, there's been a number of banks that yeah. have been – So First Republic, it's, it's a more of a shares falling thing. They're, the Fed has not – the Feds have not come okay. into that bank. So they haven't um, yeah. really declared banks. It's just that their shares are falling so much that people are panicking about yeah, it. Yeah, apparently there are some concerns about okay. it. And the shares tumbled. Um, well, they tumbled on, so what's today, Friday? Today's, Today's Thursday. Thursday. They tumbled on Monday and then spiked on Tuesday because I guess people were not nervous again. And okay. now they are falling again. So it's, again. it's one of those things that they do. And then Credit Suisse is the latest. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's funny. It's one of those things where each of these you could point to and has a different cause. Therefore, you could say – you could look at it and say each is a one-off event and they're not connected. But, of course, the fact that they happen consecutively exactly. shows, I think, a, a weakness and a concern in the banking sector. I mean, to run through them very quickly, Silicon Valley Bank, you're looking at – Tech depositors who began to need their money back combined with a bond portfolio that was in long-term bonds. So for those who don't know, when the Federal Reserve raises interest rate, the price of long-term bonds, when rates go up on long-term bonds, the price comes down. So, And they were leveraged seven times, (laughs) meaning for those who don't know how leverage works, you you have these bonds that you bought. You say you go to... Person B, you say, I have these bonds. Will you lend me money with these bonds as collateral? Sure. You take that money, you buy more bonds. You go to person C, I have two sets of bonds. Would you lend me money with these two sets of bonds mm-hmm. as collateral? Person C, of course. Do this. Person D, right? So you do this seven times, right? Yeah, you have a lot of bonds, but you also have a huge amount of debt. So there's no restriction to how many times these banks can leverage? There are restrictions, but apparently this is within... This is within the restriction. Now, what should, times is within the restriction. what should have been happening is that regulators should have been watching this, particularly the San Francisco Federal Reserve, but apparently they were 
a little bit off the ball. Whether or not that's because when someone <laughs> on the San Francisco Reserve was on the board of this company is I'm speculation. Sure that, yeah. I'm sure it had no, no connection no whatsoever. But that's their purpose, is to be looking out for mm-hmm. this. And, of course, once the, the thing with leverage is when things are going well, you make more money than ever before. Mm-hmm. When things are going poorly, you are now on the hook for mm-hmm. much more money than your original investment because you've, you've borrowed course. on this investment. So that was their issue. Um, now, what, what's been the government's response? The, now, they're saying that they're going to – was it the Fed's going to cover the – up to $250,000 deposit for so every person FDIC or more? So FDIC already covers that. Okay. So basically what they're saying is that FDIC and the Federal Reserve are promising to make the entire depo- – all the depositors whole for all of their money. So in other words, typically if you had if you had a million dollars in this bank, if you yes. were a tech company with a million dollars in this bank, you'd be good for 250000 no matter what. Okay. They're saying we will make you good on the million – by basically promising to provide liquidity to this bank for everything they, that they owe with their bonds as collateral, but using the cost value of the bonds, what they bought the bonds for, not what the bonds are currently worth. So it, it's a bailout without being called a bailout, essentially. Yeah. It's saying, Michael, we know that your bonds, you bought these bonds at a million dollars, you, they are now worth $250,000, but don't worry, we'll lend you a million dollars based on these bonds being originally worth a million. And you and I sit there and say, well, they're not worth a million now, yeah. right? But they're lending as though they were still worth the original price, mm-hmm. thereby assisting them to make good to the depositors. Yeah, but does, does that mean that, that Silicon Valley Bank is going to still be around or they, would they still go under? It How looks does that like work? they're going to be sold and then basically those assets can then be distributed. Now, obviously, the assets are not sufficient to make the depositors yeah. sold, hence why the bank is going under, right? But the Federal Reserve then will say, well, these bonds are worth this and eventually they will be worth that again as bonds do mature at par. So, so in other words, if you buy a 10-year treasury, it may be worth – you know, 90 cents on the dollar now. But in 10 years, you do get the dollar back. Yeah. The question is, should the Federal Reserve be lending based on 10 years from now? It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a thorny question. Especially when they're trying to, was it lower inflation, uh, you're spending more money. I'm not you're creating money out of thin air exactly, despite the fact yeah. that you're raising rates, essentially, because the Federal Reserve, it's not as though they have this money sitting in a bank account uh, somewhere. They will probably make it out of thin air. Um, which would be somewhat at all. Yeah, it feels like, yeah, you're contradicting what you're trying to do in the first place, which is raise interest rates to low inflation, but now you're also spending money, which is going to shoot exactly. up. So. Exactly. And Xavier makes the two points of the credit quality of treasuries are better than any, treasuries are better than anything else. Okay. Right out there. So in other words, it's, it's not as though there is no credit quality. Mm-hmm. To the, in other words, these bonds are in a risk of going bankrupt because they're United States Treasury bonds. Yes. The losses that Credit Suisse is looking at, uh, that um, uh, SVB is looking at, are because the bonds are worth less because interest rates have gone up. Okay. So it's, it's what's called interest rate risk, not credit risk. Credit risk is mm-hmm. the guy you borrowed from doesn't pay. Yes. Interest rate risk is 
why on earth would I buy a 2% bond from you when I could go and buy a 4% bond now? Mm-hmm. So your yeah. bond must be worth less. Now, can I ask you a question, though? Do, will that have an effect on other banks? Because when other banks might be doing that, invest in long-term treasuries, and now with interest rates chewing up, I they think could- that is the basis for a lot of concern out there. In other words... SVB may have been one of the most poorly managed. In other words, mm-hmm. they may have done a particularly yeah. bad job. You leverage too managing. much. Or Maybe they leverage too much. But they are not the only bank that in 2020 and 2021 was probably buying long dated treasury bonds, mm-hmm. which made sense in the sense that, if, all right, if they're offering interest rates, let's say they're offering their depositors, you know, 0.25%. Mm-hmm. On a money market, maybe a savings account. What were you getting in 2020? Maybe 1% you did out of savings. They need to make money, right? They make money by lending, right? Mm-hmm. But also for the required reserve, that 10% that they need to hold as assets by buying treasury bonds. Now, if you're a bank, you want to make money, you can either be really safe. You could buy three-month treasury bills, which were yielding 0 to 0.25% in 2020, which mm-hmm. means you're like, oh, I'm not making money, right? I'm breaking even. Or you'd say, oh, well, I'll take the risk. Rates aren't going up. It's, it's the <laughs> middle of a pandemic. Why on earth would rates go up? Yeah. I'll get a 10-year Treasury bond at one point something percent, and I make the difference. Yeah. Now it's coming back to bite mm-hmm. them. And there's a number of banks that I suspect are facing this issue. Now, they, they're not all on the verge of going under, right, because most of their depositors are not tech companies trying to pull the money out. They may not be leveraged seven times. But... It is a concern because that's probably on their books. Mm. It's probably there. And I, I highly doubt SVB is the only bank that had long-dated treasuries. Okay, so switching to SVB to Credit Suisse, Credit what Suisse. happened in there? They're a little different. Um, there's, there's a number – because now we're looking at a Swiss bank, right? And they've had a number of issues. Again, looks like there's some mismanagement of the books. The Swiss – uh, central bank, essentially the Swiss Central has been looking at this and saying, like, you guys have issues. They approached, I believe, the Swiss National Bank last year and said, we, we need some help because our books are in bad yeah. shape. Well, I also heard that they had paid, like, up to, like, a billion dollars in, like, fines or something like that, penalties. Yeah, they've had a number of scandals mm-hmm. in the past couple of years. And par- so these two things combine, their assets are already shaky. You have scandals. Now people start to want to leave your bank. Because mm. especially since, let's remember, Swiss banks, rather notorious for big money people who don't really want a lot of notoriety to put their funds in these banks. Swiss banks and Cayman Island banks, Cayman right? Island, Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Cayman Islands maybe more so. Like yeah. Cayman Islands, you're trying to like... I want to avoid taxes. I don't really care if people think I'm sleazy. <laughs> Swiss is like, I'd rather people don't even know who I am. Uh, okay. Kind of thing, right? So you really don't want to be in the news if you're at a Swiss bank. They've seen a lot of outflows from Credit Suisse to uh, UBS, which is another Swiss bank. Okay. So UBS, I think last year they had a very large, I think it was like 30 plus percent increase in depositors. So good chance most of those people are coming over from Credit Suisse, mm-hmm. right? So the issue is if you are Credit Suisse, you have a bunch of people pulling out their deposits, your assets are really not in good shape. You already knew they were in bad shape. Mm-hmm. And now your biggest backer, who was the Saudis, strangely enough, hit 10% because if you think about it this way, right, the Saudis had a commitment mm-hmm. to back this bank up to 10%. 
of the bank's total assets. So when the bank has a lot of people having money in this branch, so if you think about it this way, right, they, let's say to make it simple, they had billions, right? But yeah. million dollars, you're a bank, you got a million dollars, and you got one guy who says, I'm giving you $100,000, but I don't want to be more than 10% of your total. Your assets, it's, yeah. it's too risky. I don't want to be of most of your, I don't want most of your bank deposits to be me. Because then if you go under, I lose I, everything, mm-hmm. right? So you got a million, you're fine, right? Now let's say people start to smell your money out. Now you only have nine hundred thousand, and the Saudis are like, "Now I'm more than ten percent." And you go to the Saudis and say, "Could you give me some more money to back me up?" And the Saudis are like, "I'm not, I'm not giving you more money because I'm already ten percent or mm-hmm. more of your total assets, and that's a commitment I didn't want to make." Right now, the Saudis are saying it's a regulatory issue. I don't know. Enough to know if that's a Swiss regulatory issue that no bank can have more than 10% as one person or a Saudi regulatory issue, meaning... Yeah, we just Saudi, created this issue because well, we want to back Sa- out. The yeah. Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund is regulated by yeah. the, the, you know, the, the Emirates of or the Sheik or whoever yeah. like runs Saudi Arabia, right? So it's really the same people, but yeah. it's like, you know, my right hand says to my left, you shall not put more than 10% in a <laughs> bank, right? So I don't know whose regulatory issue this is. The Saudis are saying it's a regulatory issue. But they basically came out publicly mm-hmm. and said, we are not giving Credit Suisse any more money. So you imagine what this does, right? There's one thing if I come to you privately and say, Michael, I'm not lending you any more money. Right? Sorry. Right? It's another thing if I did a bullhorn and go out in the Charlottesville downtown and say, I am not lending mm-hmm. Michael Lurpy any more money just so you know if you happen to be invested with him. <laughs> Everyone else is like, oh, gee, if exactly. they're not lending, I'm, I'm out too. So it now looks today as though they may also be receiving, like, like the Swiss National Bank is basically saying, we will make good and, like, yeah. lend you what you need, provide liquidity. They use the term provide, provide liquidity, liquidity. Mm-hmm. which means we will lend you the money you need to stay afloat, which is, again, a bailout without being called a bailout. So would, uh, would this have any influence on American banks, or is this something totally that's, unrelated? That's the truth. I mean, bank, regional bank shares, it's a great question. Regional bank shares um, have been struggling on the markets. I think the issue is this gets people nervous, nervous. right? And it's hard to blame people for getting nervous because you have three banks in a row mm-hmm. that have gone under, a fourth in First Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Jerry, for correcting me. It's not First National. They are... For all we know in excellent shape, it is First First Republic. Republic. Um, Their shares have been plummeting because there are concerns apparently about them. What these are, Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar enough to know what particularly are Mm -hmm. the concerns there, but obviously there are concerns about their books as well. Um, They have not had a run on that bank, but the share price is not good. Um, so Can I ask you a question, though? There's been a number of banks. I'm not going to name them, obviously, mm-hmm. but there's been a number of banks that I've been looking at that's like they've been going at 30 40%. Is that all, is that all the, correlated? That's the nervousness. That's okay. basically people begin to get nervous. Should mm-hmm. I be owning this bank stock? Because remember the way it works with a bank, right? If a bank does go under, I believe the order is number one is going to be their depositors, Number two is going to be, in other words, if they go under and they have to sell off their assets, you get your money back first if you're a depositor, second if there's some secured things, third if you've got bonds. Last people. Last is stock. stock. So if you were sitting there saying, I'm, I own this bank stock and I'm nervous about this bank, even if I you know, don't think they're at imminent risk of mm-hmm. running out of money, maybe I sell. And when everybody sells... 
then people price begin plummets. to it's and then that's system. when people begin to say maybe I should pull my money out of the and bank and then exactly it's, exactly now again I caution people the average person not to be particularly panicky here um, I will use I mean you said it so I will use the line you know Mr. Potter isn't telling Mr. Potter's buying because he's panicking and we're not right so you don't necessarily need to go run on your local bank and pull your money out the average person does not have $250,000. You, you don't want to leave the Bailey saving and loans with mama pot dollar and papa dollar left. Right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Especially since, I mean, if you, if you run the regional banks out of business, then you are left with J.P. Morgan, J.P. Morgan Chase, which is now two, it's one bank, yeah. right? And your other, you know, what are your other? Bank of America. Bank of America. Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. You're basically left with the huge national banks, yeah. which is not how you want. Like, there's a purpose for regional banks, mm-hmm. right? Do you, you want your Bailey Savings and Loans. You know, you want your Mr. Anderson bank from Trapped in Paradise, you know, <laughs> helping out the local community, right? Exactly. So you don't really want to be doing that, particularly since you are FDIC insured. Mm-hmm. At that point. And so, you had mentioned that on Jerry's show. It's very important to make sure your bank is FDIC insured. Yeah, that you do want to check. I mean, yes. if, if for some reason your bank is not insured with the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, that's a, that's a question mark. To you. Yes. Not saying you want to immediately pull your money out. No, but it's something reason. to think about but for sure. Something to think in about. This, in it this is environment. something to think about because you are not entitled to $250,000 mm-hmm. per creditor, per depositor at that bank. So, and, but again, if you're most, the average American is not sitting there with over $250,000 yeah. in one bank. So I would not be extremely panicky. You know what I mean? And now, what this may mean for the markets, what it may mean for bank shares. I mean, if you are in, mm-hmm. you know, if you have you know, ETFs and stuff that have a lot of banks or you particularly own Wells Fargo Bank or, mm-hmm. I'm just using, there's nothing wrong with Wells Fargo, but like if you yeah, own bank stock, shares, yeah, stocks bank shares, of banks, yeah. maybe something to think about just to figure out Am I overinvested? Like, how much mm-hmm. have you thought about what percent you are invested in banks? Because, regardless of whether they go under, this is a difficult environment for banks to make money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may not be good to be too too heavily invested. Yeah. And I think people are probably the next few months and maybe a year. They're not probably not going to be putting much money into the banks now. At this point, it's it's really yeah. The market is obviously going to be very nervous about mm-hmm. this. And I think the underlying issue that kind of paints all this anxiety is the Federal Reserve. We are beginning to see the repercussions mm. of raising interest rate. The first person to see them were people going up for mortgages. Mm-hmm. Right Now it is beginning to trickle into the banking sector. Do we now begin to see that slowdown, which we have been expecting... Right, because when you raise interest rates, you the Federal Reserve is intentionally slowing down the economy to try to squash inflation. There is always a lag time between everyone knows this, mm-hmm. except perhaps people at the Federal Reserve for some reason. <laughs> but everyone knows Federal Reserve raises rates months later, maybe a year later, plus you begin to see mm-hmm. the repercussions in the economy. Are we now seeing the next set of repercussions? And we are looking at 0.4% month-to-month inflation in February. I know. It's still It's, it's still, still high. high and, yeah. and yes, you're going to see 6% CPI is lower than 9% a year ago. But that is 6% on top of last year's 9 Yeah, It is not that prices mm-hmm. went up 9% and now they went down 3%. That's not what happened. Prices yeah. went up 9% and now they went up another 6, six. Mm-hmm. Right? So they, we are still seeing persistent inflation. 
Uh, at one, what point? At what point will the Fed? I mean, I, you can't obviously think for them because I mean, yeah. you also you don't even want to be in there. Yeah, head, exactly. I mean, but you try to avoid that. But they, at so, what point will do they say though? At the same point, it's like okay. At the same time, we don't really want to push ourselves into. I don't want to say recession, but pu- push ourselves potentially close to it because we're just trying to fight inflation yeah. when really your efforts are proving to not exactly have the impact you thought they would. It's tricky. It's just part of it is also psychology. I mean, will the Federal Reserve, are they capable of admitting that it's not working as planned? Because, I mean, do they consider, would they consider that an admission, would they consider that admission to have people then begin to doubt the Federal Reserve's efficacy? And they really don't want that. They don't want people yeah, to... We've been doubting that for years at this point. But I, I know, care. but you know, <laughs> we're, I think we might be the exception there. I think most people are probably like, oh, well, it's the Federal Reserve. You know, they're not going like, to completely mess it up. But they, you know, they, I don't think they want people to start thinking that. Um, it's, it's, it's a tricky one as it goes down to deep psychology. I mean, I might use, uh, to quote uh, Dark Knight Rises, you know, thinking is a strong word to use around the Fed. Uh, so <laughs> it's... It's tough because Powell, I mean, the issue is I think we can't gauge it by is the Federal Reserve willing to risk recession to stop inflation mm-hmm. because they have indicated they are. Yeah. Their view is a, you slowly slow down the economy. You have a soft landing. But they haven't slowly done crash. it. They've been ri- rising, raising interest rates No, but in other words, their, their goal is to make the economy slow down where we have a – Small recession that happens slowly as opposed to a crash because of big inflation. Yeah, but I feel like but they're, well, not, they're not slowing the brakes fast. It seems like they're trying to slam Exactly. It. At what point are we in crash territory exactly. now? I mean, at what point have you nosedived the plane to prevent the engine from going out? You know, I mean, yeah. you're still nosediving. So that is, I think, the concern that we're looking at. And I'm not sure there is an answer. It's very difficult to predict. I mean, the European Central Bank just raised rates this morning. Mm. So... Credit Suisse did not spook them from raising rates in Europe. Will SVB and uh, Signature Bank spook the Fed from raising rates in the U.S.? Or is, no? is it possible everyone's mentality is simply that, well, if they go under, we'll just print more money and bail them out? That could be. It could be I mean, their, their, their natural reaction is like, well, not everything is too big to fail, so hence... Everything that goes under will just, well, we'll just print more money and bail it out and problem solved. It, it could well be, but then you get into the moral hazard of do you just encourage even more risk-taking? Because mm. every bank begins to think that they will be bailed out, yeah. in which case when you actually can't bail them all out, what, or, I mean, theoretically, can you? You could theoretically bail them all out, but at what point does the average person say you have bailed out so, much, so many banks that this dollar is, worth is worthless? Yeah. It's worth nothing. And then you have a real problem. But I'm not sure we get there. It's a difficult question. Mm-hmm. So I did. I, I hate to leave the audience with more questions than answers, but that's kind of where we are yeah, at this point. Are, yeah. I would still say panicking, even in the worst of times, helps no one. Yeah. It does not help you. It does not help regional banks. It does not help the local economy. So do not panic. You can be prudent, right? You can begin to be more cautious, right? But panicking... Gains, gains you nothing even in the worst of times. Yeah. And as you said, if your bank is FDIC insured, then if you have less than $250,000, you're fine. And in a high inflation environment, you, you, if the dollar really de- declines in value, switching your money from a bank deposit to cash is not going to help you tremendously. No. It's not. 
So that's that's kind yeah. of wow. We, we covered a lot. We we did. Today. We covered a lot today. I, you know, yeah. it's it's been a good uh, conversation. Some mm-hmm. great great questions on the uh, yeah. on the banking thing. I wasn't sure where what questions you were going to go for, <laughs> but you did a great one. And Xavier well, himself. Well, thankful you were there to answer them. Xavier himself could not have done better. Yeah, well, Xavier would have been answering the questions. To be fair, that's true. But he could, his he, his two sets is probably more valuable than my. Uh, no, my questions, great, don't say that. It's some great questions. He couldn't have asked better questions. Th- that yeah. I would agree with. Yeah, but exactly. uh, I'm sure he would have had some interesting perspectives. There you go. There you go. Uh, a little shout out, uh, Flame Dulway. Uh, watched the show today and said, "Woohoo, Zach at the Solar Fire Die." So we've got some. He's still getting some props. Nice. Still getting props for today's interview. Learned a lot from that. Yeah. Very interesting just to mm-hmm. see where things are going and then what kind it's, of cost it, savings yeah. there are. It's, I mean, we've definitely seen a bunch of um, solar panels on, on houses oh, all across Charlottesville. Absolutely. Sometimes I've even seen them like on slopes. Of, I don't yeah, know if not even them. on the roof. Those yeah, just like on slopes slope. on, the, on the ground. Yeah, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, we'll definitely be seeing a lot of it. Yeah. So it's going to be it's a great day. Uh, yeah. Next week, got some more three great guests. Three? Next okay, week. wow. Uh, three photos. First off, uh, Matthias Yon. Ah, uh, one okay. of our great new friends of the program Love Matthias uh, is going to be joining us to talk about Matthias Young Realty so I mean he's always a great mind mm-hmm. really just to, to ask about you know, how things are doing what he's seen exactly. uh, in the market especially just, now considering uh, the interest rates yeah, and things and to think rates, about yeah. things to think about in the spring I know a lot of home activity happens in the spring mm-hmm. so we'll talk to him we're going to be talking to uh, Emily Harpster from Sugar Bear Seville um, as well as Southern Revere Cellars. So it's a farm, brewery, and winery. I think uh, Sheridan Rhyme is going to be joining us. From wow, there. farm, so, brewery, and a winery? So, uh, yeah, Los said farm, farm, brewery, and winery. Wow. So uh, a trifecta there. So you, you can know, get a little milk, a little beer, and a little wine. And, I, well, a little I don't cheap. know about milk. I don't know about well, milk. A farm. I mean, what kind of farm doesn't have we'll cows? We'll right? find out. Chickens, so, maybe? Eggs? So, no. Maybe. You'll just have to join me next week. Yeah, there we go, yeah. I'll, I'll, with me I next must, week to, to find, out. find out. You know, so it's going to be a great show next week. Thanks to everyone for, for watching today. Of course, thanks to Judah behind the camera, making everything work. Thanks to Jerry in studio, correcting me on uh, First Republic. Yeah, we don't want to be... We don't want to be... Uh, yeah, there's nobody, uh, yeah, nobody liable yeah, for like First exactly. National. Exactly, First National Bank comes with something. What do you mean like, we were going under? So, so, I'll be uh, like, Judah told us that. <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, thank you, of course, for all our great partners, Castle Hill Cider, uh, Credit Serious Insurance, Matias Young Realty, Forward Adelante, and, of course, love being presented by Emergent Financial Services. Love you, the audience. Great questions by everyone today. Thank you, Xavier, for a great question mm-hmm. on the solar fire. Thanks for Michael for great questions today. Thanks for joining me. No, it was always, a pleasure. Always, always lots of fun. Be sure to enjoy today's beautiful weather, but also catch the UVA game. Best of luck. Exactly. We will be rooting for UVA to Sweet be Six. Hopefully by next week we'll be talking about taking on Alabama. Right? There we go. That's what we want. Next week, hopefully we'll be playing uh, Alabama. Exactly. In Sweet Sixteen, or better yet, maybe uh, Alabama losing. We play. Nah, you always want to beat the beat best. the big guy. Beat the best. All right, That's we'll beat the right. best. We'll be rooting for taking on Alabama next week. So go who's today. Thanks you all for joining us this morning. We look forward to seeing you next week. But until that time, hasta mañana. <laughs>